Hey, do you have a place uh, where you, when you were there, you feel really good? Maybe a place where they, you, you feel comfortable, you feel relaxed. It is a place that feels like all is right in the world when you're there. Does anybody have a place like that for them? Uh, it could be a lot of different places. It probably looks different for me than it looks for you. Uh, there's several places that I have uh, that come to mind, and they come to mind for, for different reasons. I, like when I'm just there, just like, like I feel like I can exhale. It feels really good. Uh, one of the places for me is uh, when I can go to the gym early in the morning, uh, and this is pretty bougie of me, pretty extra, and I have the whole basketball court to myself. All right, and so there's nobody there. I don't have to worry about if anybody's seen if I make it or miss it. Uh, I don't have to worry about bouncing to somebody else's ball. I can just shoot around and, and just turn off my mind. So whatever's bouncing around in my head, I can just turn it off. I can get some mental rest. When it's just me and a basketball and the whole court, it helps me to, to turn off my brain. And sometimes that's really nice, right, just to have that, that rest um, because life can be busy and we need those moments uh, of rest. Uh, another place for me where I can just feel safe, I can feel comfortable, is at home. I've got a big sectional in our in our couch, in our living room, our couch, and to have my whole family, right, my whole family on that couch with a gigantic blanket or maybe individual blankets, depending on how my children are behaving on this particular day. Uh, but have us all covered under a blanket together and just watching a movie. It just fills me up to be with. Uh, my, my family. Uh, and it, the movie could be absolutely terrible. It's not about the movie. It's about just enjoying my company. And so I hope that you have a place where it feels like all is right uh, in the world when you're there. Because having those places where we can go and just relax, to be off, to turn our brain off, we need those spaces. And so those are, those are a couple of mine. Uh, and it might look different for you. Uh, it could be playing a round of golf and smoking a cigar. I bet my dad says amen. Aha! See, all right? I was, that, I'm pretty sure that one's my dad's, right? Uh, playing a round of golf, smoking a cigar. It could be uh, sitting in a bubbly bath with a glass of wine. It could be any number of places. But here's what I want to get at. We should all have some places where when we're there, we can feel safe. We need that. We need a place where we can feel safe, where we can turn it off. We don't have to worry uh, but we live in a broken world, and so what happens sometimes is sometimes we get those places taken away from us. They're, they're not there for us anymore. So this is a very lighthearted example of this. Uh, but the group of guys that I play basketball with, we started playing about 30 minutes earlier in the, in the morning. And uh, so when we start playing 30 minutes earlier, that means that if I get there as soon as the gym opens... Like, best case scenario, I got, like, two to three minutes before people start showing up. So I told you, like, my, my quiet time where I could just kind of just shoot around and have my me time, if you will, uh, it's gone. As soon as the gym opens, there's already other guys there. Multiple people shooting, stretching, getting loose. And it's just not the same whenever you're shooting around and there's some guy just putting his butt up in the air and stretching, like, right over here. It's like, nah, I, I like the space, okay? Um, it, I, not a big deal. First world problem, I know, all right, to not have the whole court to yourself. But here is the deal, though. A lot of us, a lot of people in this room, you've experienced moments where, in your life where, where you are enjoying something. You are possibly even counting on something. You feel safe, and it just it didn't happen that way. Now, maybe you were banking on a friend to come through for you. Or maybe you were banking on having enough money to fix the problem in your life. Or maybe you're banking on a job or, or, or a spouse or maybe a parent or, or maybe, maybe even a, a church. And for one reason or another, they just came up short. 
They came up short from what you were expecting from them. Uh, you were looking for a place where you could be saved from the troubles of the world, and instead of it being a haven for you, the walls actually started to come in around you. It was the exact opposite of safe. And while it might have been safe for a while, it did not deliver on what you had expected. I think at varying levels, we've all experienced that. Unfortunately, we live in a broken world, and, and nothing uh, in this world comes through for you 100% of the time. And that might be hard for some people to hear. Like, you've, you've had that place you thought was safe, that place that you thought was going to protect you, and you found out it wasn't as safe as you thought. And to be, to be harmed in a place where you're supposed to feel safe, that, that's, that's a big loss. Uh, and, and there are people who've experienced those types of losses, and they can't seem to recover. It's like this, this thing that you're dragging around that you can't get away from. And so what I want to say today is just, I want to unequivocally say that no matter where you are at, no matter what you have done, and no matter what has been done to you, you can count on Jesus. All right? When our hope is on the things of this world, it is going to let us down. When our expectations don't match up to the re- current reality that we're in, we're going to lead to disappointment. But you can count on Jesus. Uh, Psalm 62 says it this way. The verses should be on the screen. Uh, starting in verse 5, it says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. That first line there in verse 5, it jumps out to me. It says, for God alone, wait in silence because my hope is from him. And, and can I, I want to ask a question and just answer this honestly to, to yourself, just between you and between your ears, uh, just to be honest with yourself. When was the last time when was the last time you spent five minutes in complete silence? No TV, no music, no radio, no podcast, no, no friends, nothing to occupy your mind. You just spent five minutes in complete silence. The only sound you heard was maybe the sounds of birds chirping, the wind blowing, or the neighbor's dog barking. Okay? When was the last time you spent five minutes in complete silence? I'd be willing to bet that for most of us, it's been, it's been a hot minute since you've experienced that. And here, here's the, the, the part that's an issue is that we all want to live full and abundant lives. But because we want to live full lives, what we try to do is we try to fill them. But most of the time, we end up filling our lives with stuff. And stuff isn't bad. It's just, it's just stuff. Uh, some of it matters, but to be real with you, most of it doesn't. So what happens is instead of living a full life, we end up living a busy life. A busy life. We're just always going. We don't have time to be quiet. And there are things in our life that they're just, they're just fluff. They fill up time. They take your energy, but they don't fill up you as a human being. All right, real talk. When I was in high school, there was a game that I honestly loved in high school. And now I can honestly say it haunts me. 
Guitar Hero. Anybody familiar with Guitar Hero? All right. Video game, you press five buttons and you pretend like you're playing a guitar. The problem is I loved Guitar Hero. The boys would come over, would go upstairs, jam out to some Guitar Hero. It was awesome. Guys, I got really good at Guitar Hero. And yeah, I'm bragging on myself about this game, and it's not a good thing. I got really good, like like too good. Like there's only a few songs I couldn't beat on like the highest level in this game. I spent so much time playing this game. I mean, I'm going through getting beaten songs, and uh, I'm getting achievements for not missing a single note on the whole song. There's nothing wrong with playing games. There's nothing wrong with having fun with friends. But I can tell you that with the benefit of hindsight, for me, I really wish that that kid playing Guitar Hero would have spent half that time playing the real guitar. Because if I had spent half that time playing the real guitar, guess what? I'd probably been on stage playing the guitar right now, okay? Uh, Playing a game, it was fluff. It was fun, but guess what? It was just filler. It didn't have any meaning or purpose. It was just something to keep me busy. Something I did when I was on autopilot. Come home from school, what to do? Turn on the Xbox, start playing. And for you, it is not Guitar Hero. But I'd be willing to bet there is some filler in your life. Things you do just to keep busy. And it's the salt water that we drink thinking it's going to satisfy, but it never does. We don't have those moments of silence. We don't have those moments of solitude. We don't have those moments where we can reflect, evaluate, go a little deeper. And it's okay to have some of that filler activity in life, but don't fill your life with fluff. Have things in there that are valuable to take time to go deeper. When we live our lives with fluff, we end up with lives that are empty. There's no value in them. And God doesn't want you to have an empty life. He wants you to live an overflowing life full of purpose and full of meaning. And if we keep going in Psalm 62, it's for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation, my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. He is a refuge for us. Just to hit the high notes, it says, my hope is from him. He only is my rock. I will not be shaken. On God rests my salvation. Trust in him. God is a refuge for us. And you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, I get it. God's supposed to be my refuge. This is Refuge Church, real original, okay? Uh, And what I want to do is just take a few moments and show you why. I just want to say put your trust, make God your refuge. I want to tell you why you can do that and why you can count on it. Because the things of this world, you can't. That fluff that we fill our lives with, we don't need it. We need Jesus. So why can we put our hope in him? Why he only is my rock. Why he is my refuge. Now, last week was known as Palm Sunday. It's called Palm Sunday because uh, the week before Easter, Jesus came into town uh, on a donkey that his disciples commandeered. Cool story. Uh, we talked about it last week. But people threw down their coats. They threw down uh, palm leaves, and they were waving them. And they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were giving Jesus the entrance fit for a king. And yet, in just a, a matter of a handful of days, things changed, and they changed quickly. I'm going to give some highlights from things that happened on between that Sunday uh, to this Sunday, okay, or to that Friday, really. Uh, Jesus goes into the temple, and he flips tables. 
right? He, he goes into the temple and he clears those out. They're there for money. They're there to make profit. They're not there for God. Uh, and God literally flips their tables over. Uh, he, talks, he tells several parables. Uh, he talks about paying taxes to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. I wish he had skipped that one. Uh, he, he grieves over Jerusalem because they're going to reject him. He has the Last Supper. Uh, looked nothing like the painting. They actually sat on both sides of the table. Uh, he washed his disciples' feet. He even washed Judas's feet, and he knows he's going to betray him. He goes and he prays in the garden. Uh, he is betrayed by Judas. He's arrested. He goes through an illegitimate trial. He is beaten. He has a disciple that denies he even knows him. He has an opportunity to be freed between him and another man. And the crowd picks another man. Barabbas is his name. And it's, he's accused of uh, insurrection in Jerusalem. He's whipped. He's mocked by soldiers. They make a crown of thorns. They mash it into his skull. They make him carry the his own cross until his body, body literally can't carry it any further. He was ridiculed by the crowd. He was nailed to the cross. They put a nail in each wrist of his arms to hold it out, one nail through his crossed feet so that he wouldn't fall off. You don't talk about a week from hell. Now, at this point, that's, that's what's happened between Sunday to Friday. At this point, uh, Jesus, he's nearing the end. He's about to die on the cross. Here's what it says. It's John 19, uh, verses 28 and 29. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked it up in a sponge, put it on a branch, and held it up to his lips. It says a jar of sour wine was sitting there. Uh, and so uh, when it says sour wine, it's describing like, like a vinegar, like, like a sour wine vinegar. It is not something that you would normally uh, drink, okay? It's more of a cleaning, so, cleaning solution. Um, so it says they soaked up the wine vinegar in a sponge, tied it to a branch, and held it to his lips. Uh, and there's something going on here that, to be honest, until just recently, I didn't even know. I didn't understand the cultural context uh, of that, and I missed it. So in those days, there was no such thing as indoor plumbing. It's rough, right? Uh, and they also did not have Clorox wipes or scrubbing bubbles. All right, ancient times, ancient methods, okay? Uh, they would actually clean uh, their, like, public um, bathrooms. They would use a sponge. They'd tie it to a stick. And they would use the, a vinegar, a wine vinegar or something like that, as a cleaning agent. Okay, so they would tie a sponge to a stick. And this is literally what the Romans would use to clean their public toilets, and so what does that mean? What is that, why is that recorded? The thing they used to clean the toilets is the thing that Jesus had his last drink with. What does that mean? Because Jesus is hanging there on the cross because of our sin. He is naked, beaten, humiliated, broken. The reason they use this sponge and this vinegar to give him a drink is because it gives us a great picture. A great picture. He died on the cross with the taste of my sin and your sin on his lips. He went to the cross with the filth of humanity in his mouth. Next verse says this. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
the, the phrase, it is finished, it comes from the original language, this word is telet, ooh, I just like forgot how to say it, telestai, all right, in the original language. It's one word in that original language, it's translated into three English words, it is finished. That word can mean uh, death, complete, final, uh, but they've also found it outside of the Bible in like marketplace ledgers where people would keep a tally of what people owe them, their tabs, uh, for someone who is paid up. They don't owe anything anymore. Paid in full. No more payments were necessary. The full amount owed has been paid. So Jesus, he died on the cross with a taste of our sin on his lips, and then he says, it is finished, paid in full. He is saying he has paid in full for all of our sins. The debt that we owe for all our mistakes, all our issues, all our troubles, he paid that debt for us, and it was a debt that wasn't his to pay. And yet he paid it for us because his love for me and his love for you, and to pay that debt, it cost him his own life. Now, that right there is some good news. Uh, but to end there would be to say that Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sin, uh, and it lost his life, and that evil defeated him. Like, he didn't do anything wrong, and he was defeated. He was, he was, they took his life, but he lost his life. But, but church, Jesus didn't lose his life. He gave it. He willingly surrendered it. And so uh, after he says, it is finished, he, he gave his last breath, he died. And so uh, after that, they took his body and they put it into a tomb on Friday afternoon. So all day Saturday was silence. Uh, no movement in the tomb, no life, nothing. I think uh, this is a whole other sermon, but it's important to remember that even when it looks like God isn't doing anything, he is still working. Because then comes Sunday morning. That's what we're celebrating and remembering uh, today, right now. And, and so in John 20, uh, verses 1 through 2 right here, it says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they put him. It says, uh, she went to the tomb, it was empty, there wasn't anything there. She went to Simon Peter and the one whom Jesus loved. Uh, the one whom Jesus loved is John. Uh, this is the Gospel of John. Uh, the Gospels are named after the person who wrote them. So instead of saying, it was me, John was like, I'm the disciple Jesus loved. I love it. Give it up to yourself, John. So that's what he says there, okay? Uh, the one Jesus loved. That's how he's referring to himself. Uh, and then Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, all right, because they get this news. They're running to the tomb. Uh, and the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Uh, I really love the Bible, and I really like John. All right? He's the other disciple. Uh, and to paint a picture, he's a little, uh, he's a lot older than Peter. Peter is younger than John. And so he basically just snuck into the Bible. I outran Peter, and I reached the tomb first. Okay? He might have a competitive spirit in him a little bit. I don't know if anybody can relate. Uh, but so here's the deal. They run. They get to the tomb, and they see all, all the wrappings. All, all the linens folded up, and, and there's an assumption that's being made that, that someone came and they stole Jesus' body. He's gone. Somebody took him. We don't know where he's at. And Mary is shook up, and, and she's crying. It says she turned to leave and saw someone was standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. He said, dear woman, why are you, 
why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She, she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. And Jesus says, Mary. So she turned to him, and she cried out, teacher. What a sweet moment for Mary. That when she is at her lowest point, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know what's going to go on, that Jesus calls her by name. Jesus may have gone to the grave, but death couldn't hold him. He defeated death and sin. And I think he wants to ask you the same question. Why are you crying? What's wrong? He's calling out your name. He wants to be there for you. He wants to give you safety and security. He said it this way in Matthew 11. Then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heaven burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give is light. We don't use the word yoke much in our everyday language. The yoke it's talking about is like a harness of sorts. You put between two animals so they can move together, so they can share the load. Jesus is saying, be with me. You are weary, and, and I'm going to give you rest. He's humble and gentle. He's going to find rest for your soul, and the burden is light. Uh, this picture comes to mind for me when I think about a yoke. Uh, uh, when my brother and I, we got out my mom's old tandem bicycle. You guys are ridden on a tandem bicycle? This was super rusty and old, and at one point he turned the steering wheel, and the steering wheel was sideways, but we were still going straight because it, like, rusted out. And I was like, why aren't you going straight? It was, it was madness. But I don't remember who discovered it first, uh, but after we figured it out, we were both arguing for the rear seat. Uh, if you've ever ridden a tandem bike, you know that if someone calls for the back seat, it's because, guess what? The person in front can do all the work, and they can steer, and the person in back can kick their feet up and just hold on to the steering wheel because it don't do anything, and just go along for the ride. The person in front is sweating and hollering and saying, are you pedaling? Uh, but they can't see because they're driving this thing. And so here's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, hop on the bike. We'll be together. I'll take the front. You can take the back. The yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. And there are a lot of, a lot of us in this room who we don't feel like our yoke is light. And I, I don't want to diminish any of the challenges or heartaches that you've had. Uh, that, that's not my point. But listen, life on this earth is not perfect even as a Jesus follower. And, and here, this, this is what I think uh, Jesus is like. All right, this is Jesus right here. He's this big old jug. Let's scoot Jesus to the edge of the table. A little bit more. There we go. All right, so this is Jesus, and this is us. Okay, we're these cups, and we want full and abundant lives. We want to have rest. So we go to Jesus, and we have Jesus fill us up all the way to the top. We are overflowing. It's going to be all right. If you see a spark, please call the fire marshal, okay? No, we're going to be good. Hey, we want to go to Jesus, and we want Jesus to fill us up all the way. 
But what happens is we're, we're, we're kind of, we live busy lives. We live full lives. We, we, even if we are serving Jesus, we serve in the church. We do things. And so what happens is we have a bad day at work, all right? We get home. We, we get upset. We, we pop off on the way from work to home about that new driver in front of us who's just, what are you doing? Use your blinker. We get mad. And here's the deal. We get upset, and all we do is we just start shaking and we start spilling. And we get upset. And we lose it on our kids, and we spill, and we spill, and we spill. So because of those things, because of uh, life, we operate on less than full. We're not overflowing. And so uh, what some of us do is when we spill, what we do is we run right back to Jesus. We say, Jesus, fill me up. But then we run away and we spill, and then we run back, and we haven't filled them up. We run away, and we come back, and we run away, and we come back. And what happens is instead of resting to be full with Jesus, we feel like to be full of Jesus is a lot of work. It's like riding a tandem bike by yourself. But no, that's not the picture that Jesus gave. He said, my yoke is light. My burden is easy. And so we think that when we, we lose these things, what we sometimes try to do is when we get empty, we lose some, and we get here, and so we just get tired of running to Jesus. So we try to fill this up with other stuff. We try to fill it up by find purpose, find a, an easy life by getting more money, getting a new car, having a better career. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but they're just stuff. They're not going to fill you up. They're going to fail you at some point. So as we, we begin to wrap up today, I want to go back to Psalm 62. Uh, I'm just going to say this, on God rests my salvation, my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. And then in Matthew 11, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Neither one of those verses talks about earning or achieving salvation or a full life. Talk about resting. And it's not very restful to be running around trying to be full. In fact, that's just going to lead us to more restlessness. On God rests my salvation. It rests. Jesus says, I will give you rest. So stop trying to be full by earning and achieving rest in him. Just rest. Be planted. Instead of going to Jesus saying, fill me up, rest in Jesus. Just like that. Instead of going around getting busy and being shook up, look, there's nothing going to spill from that cup. It's in Jesus. It's resting. You don't have to add anything to it. It's complete. It's done. Paid in full. It's finished. Is there anybody here who would be honest? Uh, honesty is one of the best things you can do. One time when I was a new driver, I got pulled over for speeding. It's happened a few times to me, okay? Uh, and the officer asked if I knew how fast I was going. And I sheepishly said 45. Knowing it's a 35, uh, he tells me, actually, I only clocked you at 43. And I was like, thank you, old pickup truck, for not having a great speedometer, right? Uh, he goes, runs, looks my info, comes back and says, I'm just going to give you a warning. Keep telling the truth. You won't believe how much people lie to me every day, and it was nice to hear the truth. Here's your warning. Didn't get a ticket. I'm not advocating to leave here, go speed race around the streets. My point is this, the truth, the truth is always going to get you further in life. 
It might not get you there faster, but it's going to get you further. So with that being said, truth, honesty is the best way. Is there anyone here who would be honest enough to say to themselves, I'm tired. I've been trying to to fix things on my own. I've been trying to be filled with these, these things, and it's not working out. Today, what I want you to be honest about was where you're at on this spiritual journey. Are you over here trying to fill up life with with stuff? Maybe you've been trying to earn it from Jesus. Jesus has taken care of everything. He has paid your debt in full. You don't owe anything. His burden is light. He'll take the front seat on the bike, okay? He is your refuge. Take rest.